maximize your sense of aliveness, gain new perspectives on health, your body, and the meaning of life. You can control your physiology and how you feel in your body in this moment. Your life will never be the same. This is the Vitality Podcast with Andrea Page. <laughs> Go Sam's first podcast! Woo! <laughs> Andy, I'm so stoked that you're here. Like, I couldn't think of anyone better to like open up the launch of my podcast Yay! and have the first episode with you. So I'm so pumped. <laughs> Honored and celebratory. <laughs> I'm, yes, I'm fist absolutely. pumped. <laughs> fist pumping. Um, yeah, so welcome. And, you know, as I was mentioning off the recording, that I was really passionate, I guess, about bringing the first episode, um, firstly with you, but secondly, with the idea of fasting and the deeper levels to fasting. And the reason why that is, is because it's really been the biggest catalyst for change in my own life. And although there's been loads of interviews and things that I've done based around fasting with a whole bunch of people, and if people want to know more on fasting, like you go to Fast Way to Health Membership and it's all there, but I go back to the very first interview that I did with you, right, like years ago now, and you said something that really resonated with me at the time because I think I was going through um, this myself with the journey of fasting, and that was that fasting is a vehicle that allows you to understand your true essence of who you are. Mm. And I really want to dive into that topic because I think a lot of kind of people miss the, the power of fasting and the depth to fasting um, because it's not often like a thing that people talk about or are kind of like expecting to gain from fasting. So what has been your experience, I guess, on that specific tool around um, what fasting can do? Oh, big one. I mean, yeah, so fasting itself, you just called it a vehicle, which it is. It's, it's, it's like the vehicle of vastness that we get into and all of a sudden everything turns into the void. And when all of our normal habits and routines and tics and mindlessnesses and reactions and stories and the outplay of our childhood traumas when all of those are kind of picked up and taken away, we're left with ourselves, naked of all of that. And so fasting is the vehicle that's it's a little bit like an excavator forklift to take all of that away. And it's not that it goes away and it disappears forever. It's that because we change one thing, we change everything. And so as we change our emotional coping mechanism, which for most people, most humans in the world today who most people have some kind of disordered eating habit, reach for food to dwell the emotions and to literally take the mind off of things, blood flowing away from the brain down to the digestive tract. And so when that physiological mechanism is not there and we have free-flowing blood in a healing modality going to all cells in the body as the body is rapidly healing under the fasting state, right? all of those traumatic experiences, all of those habitual responses that are not thought of normally are not an option because we've changed one thing and we change everything. And so like at the end of the day, what fasting gives us is mindfulness, absolutely heightened mindfulness, such a 
an ability to be aware of that we're watching everything we're doing because we can't let ourselves eat, right? We can't mess up and let ourselves eat because we're doing something different right now. And so I like I would love, and these are the studies that I haven't done, and hopefully when we sit down 20 years from now, you and I will have so much more data behind the work that we do because these studies haven't been done. Of course, they've been done in an epidemiological setting. They've been done in my own clinic, right? They've been done on my own body over the past 10 to 15 years. And yet on a scientific paradigm, they haven't been done. And when they are done, my guess is that we will start to see that certain parts of the brain are highlighted when we're fasting because we go into a, a literally a different operating state. We are operating from a different level of awareness. And so at the end of the day, if mindfulness is what we take away, then we can take that into every other thing we do. And so just like you very much, Sam, I like people say, how, like, where'd you learn all this? Or how are you who you are today? They ask me questions like that, you know, which are these gargantuan questions that are impossible to answer. (laughs) And yet the only thing that I can say is like, I have such gratitude to everything fasting has taught me. And it is in that space where it's exponential learning. And I'm really, really interested in efficiency (laughs) in general. And so fasting has facilitated a tremendous efficiency of of transformation and um, self-understanding, self-knowing. Right, right. And it's, it's such an interesting thing because, like, I really put it down to the journey of fasting and being so committed to want to, like, kind of push the veils right to understand more of like what else is possible that's what it's kind of taught me and it's kind of been this vehicle I guess that's allowed me to go out of the box like out of the system and like have the courage and have the um like guts I guess to live this life that I'm living like I would say it's like a 10 out of 10 life and yes there's struggle and there's hardship and there's challenges and all of that stuff but I wouldn't change it because it's such a fulfillment that comes with like living on that edge and I really like why why do you think fasting has been that catalyst because I know it's not just me right like it's allowed so many people to have these kind of like epiphanies or breakthroughs or whatever as well so like why do you think fasting has been that thing (laughs) sorry I've been getting really like naturally high lately and I just had one of those moments where when you're asking this question uh, (laughs) I'm having like a visualization of like a 1984 kind of scenario where we're all living in this factory in this giant machine like you know making the 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 cricks behind the clock tick and when we fast, it's like we step out of that. We step out of the woven fabric of reality of how we are desired to be by quote unquote the man, of who we're expected to be by society, of the producing human, the producing human. And um, when we step out of that, we step into ourselves. We step into an alternate reality. We step into perspective. We step into an enhanced worldview. And so that's why it's like we stop taking the soma. <laughs> Yeah. Like that's honestly what it feels like, right? Like, and it's like, almost like you can't go back from this now. Like, it's like, you can't, you, you can't unlearn it. Yeah. Un- yeah. You can't unlearn, but it's also like, like you don't want to either, mm. but it's just like this profound thing of like, if I think back to like, if people ask me the question, like, Oh, when did this, when did your journey begin begin? Or like, how did you get to where you are right now? And I'm like, that's what I, all I remember is doing that fast. And then like everything changed. Yeah. Um, okay. And so why, why, what about like somebody who's like maybe listening for the, for like the first time about fasting? Like, do you think this kind of 
thing can happen to everyone, like this sense of like finding their true purpose or finding like who they are, or do they have to kind of go in with that intention? Okay, I love this. So this is, I mean, there's no right answer to this question and any answer I give will only be a half truth because there's so many people and I don't know the people's real experience, right? Only we can know our own intuitive journey. So I want to start by echoing what you just said, that it was like it was the fast and then everything else after that changed. And that is my experience with clients. Like it's almost, it's this weird like almost ego trip that I get into where there's such confidence because that's really what I sell. That is what I offer. That is my product is trust in fasting and trust in your human body to be able to heal itself. That is what I sell, right? Because people otherwise they they can just not eat on their own, right? But they're choosing to pay me to guide them through that period of not eating because I have a tremendous amount of trust to be able to dose out right? Because of the experience that I've seen and because fasting has not only on a physical level created so much healing, but on an emotional, psychosomatic, psychological level created so much healing. And so it's just like that just builds up in me. And so I say it's like an ego trip because I almost expect that. In, In one case, you know, someone will say, oh, this and this and this is happening. And I'm like, cool, sounds like a great time to fast. Like, I know something that could fix that because I'm just so confident in, you want to say like this technique or this modality, but it's not that. Fasting's not like acupuncture. And I mean, all of these things are working with universal flow and realigning it. But the difference is with fasting, you don't need anyone but you. You don't need any kind of product or any kind of input. You just need to stop everything and rest, Mm. right? It's the antithesis of need. You already have everything you could ever need. Stop putting in anything more and everything will sort itself out. And it's like, where, where can we take that phrase out of context and use it in every other part of our life? But when we look at fasting, it, it's, it's, it is so much beyond our current reductionist thought paradigm that science will have a really difficult time grappling with it for many years to come, unfortunately. I mean, I don't want to say that. But because it's not like one disease is cured by fasting and it's this X plus Y equals Z. It's not this reductionist algorithm, right? It it is something that fills, it looks at all of the empty spaces, right? And all of the spaces that are overfull and it just immediately smooths them all out and brings everything back to balance. So it's like until someone can write that algorithm for me, Science will not be able to comprehend the healing potential, power, and efficacy of fasting. And so, yeah, then at the end of someone's fasting, I know I'm always sitting there like, "Mm, told you so. (laughs) And it's like, it's almost like I annoy myself. And by that time, they're like, yeah, you, the, you did tell me, oh my God, and this is incredible. And, and they're still in that place of disbelief because you have to experience it, right, to be able to understand. Otherwise, it's just hearsay. And most things in the health world today are just hearsay, right? Most oh, people yeah. taking supplements or vitamins or doing this diet or that diet, you know, they're like, yeah, yeah, sure, it's better. Yeah, this is good. And none of it's embodied. And so the work that we do when we're fasting, I always tell everyone, is we're taking the knowing, the understanding from here, from our head, to here, to our heart and to our belly, to a place where we understand it in an embodied sense. And that's why we can't forget. 
And so from that yeah. place of embodiment, right, we move forward and we're acting from a different knowledge center, right, from the neurons in the gut rather than neurons in the head. And I'm not talking physiologically. I'm talking from a place of like embodied knowing because it recalibrates connection with this physical body, which is the actual vehicle that our spirit is driving through life. So, you know, then I'm also like, okay, I think I just did it yesterday or today. I checked in with a girl who uh, was fasting with me summer of 2017, Italian. I could even pull up the message for you. And I, I, she had just written me because I post a lot of things on the Facebook page and Instagram and all over. And uh, she had seen something or thought of me. A lot of people often think of me and send information. And so I'm always super responsive. And I said, hey, like, what's your report a year and a half later? Like, how are you feeling? What's changed in your life? Because that's, you know, my field book in my, my, st- my study of the larger picture of what fasting does. And uh, she wrote back, and and, she, and this was someone who had never fasted before, before that one week. It was an in-person retreat, um, juice fast. And she said, fantastic, night and day difference. My life has never been the same. Um, and I fast on my own. I just did an 18-day fast on my Wow. You know, when, when, when I send people off, that is my greatest desire is that they don't need me because yeah. like the way in which I am, I want to give you everything I have and I want yeah. to empower you. So you do it on your own. And this is also the antithesis of any kind of healing practitioner who's trying to work in the modern world because they want you to come back to them again and again and again and again, yeah. because they're making money off of it. And so it's it's a very different paradigm of working and clearly it's super effective because it's like whoa she's doing 18 day fasts on her own that's epic are you kidding and right. so it's totally different yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's like yeah. it's it's it, I'm I celebrate because that's what I want people to do is yes come to me to learn or, or to go through your first experience of fasting and be guided through it and have an experience but moreover I want you to learn so that once you do it now, you know how to do it for the re- forever and for the rest of your life because it is this tool. It is, it's the ultimate medicine that we can yeah. heal and cure ourselves no matter essentially almost anything what happens. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny because I was going to maybe ask you like, okay, well, why is there so, still so much like, oh, fasting and people freak out and like it's like that's, you know, we'll shun it straight away. But it, you kind of answered it. You were like, you know, so much, in, especially in the health space, is because it's not embodied work. And so a lot of the people um, perhaps that are questioning fasting or like sh- or um, shitting all over it basically is somebody who's never really experienced the truth of fasting or a true fast, right? Um, and so embodiment, embodiment is like key, I believe in anything. And it's like I work with my clients that too. And it's like if they're asking me to do something or if I'm asking them some, them to do something, it's because I've embodied it and felt it and experienced it. So like from, from my experience, this is what I've experienced in my journey, blah, blah, blah. And now like I can share from that space instead of just like kind of guessing or maybe like, yo, or don't do that because I've never experienced it, right? So if like aside from that, is do you believe there is anything else as to why um, fasting is still kind of a questionable or skeptic kind of topic. Yeah, for sure. I mean, to also echo on what you just said, I think that that's why my career was so successful during the years that I let it come alive because I didn't share anything that wasn't directly experienced by me or thousands of clients or 
by some, like, you know, through firsthand. It was only firsthand. And so people feel that and they feel that there's a level of, it's like a weird interbreed of authenticity and confidence. You know, it's the confidence that stems from authenticity. It's like, I couldn't lie to you and say this to you this vulnerably. And so people hear it that way and are that much more receptive to it. So it, if you have your latest diet fad or health fad or whatever it is, and someone's just standing up there preaching, probably trying to sell something, people aren't going to be as receptive to it just on a vibrational level, like nothing about words in the brain, just on a level of, of attraction or aversion. So, which is so funny because like, I remember we, when we were doing a retreat, like we did our first retreat, right? And like, we didn't even mean to do one, but we were just speaking from our experience and speaking authentically and sharing our journey. And then all of a sudden it attracted all these people to like, well, we want to do this with you. And we're like, oh, like what? That's a thing. And so it's like, we, with no expectation, yeah. right? Yeah. You, it's like, you speak from the heart and you speak from experience. And then people are like, I hear you. Like, and I feel that you're truth. And I want to do that too. I want some of what you have. Um, and so that is really, yeah. If, not even just with fasting, with anything. Like I think when you when you are authentic and you've embodied something, then you you do attract. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and to awesome. to speak to the other part of your question, which is about um, remaining resistance to fasting in general, uh, it's a very valid question, and it it will I mean it will hold strong. I'd say at least until millennial generations out. We're going to look at Generation K coming in with a little more open-mindedness and with a little more embodied health understanding and knowledge and not so much fad or or sold to. Because if you look at the millennial generation, right, our generation, we grew up through the 80s where it was the end of the processed food movement. It was like really the heyday of food science, you know, Twinkies and the like. And then through the 90s, it became like packaged food was the norm. You think of Lunchables, and then it came to, and I don't know if these are, are these pan, are these international? Do they have Lunchables in Australia? I don't know what Lunchables are. <laughs> <laughs> I know what Twinkie though, but like I, we don't have them. <laughs> sometimes, okay. Sometimes I do speak American. It's crazy, yeah? Um, they're like box, like lunch kits where you would have in a plastic container crackers and like Oh, yeah, pre-made okay. deli meat and like teeny little cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have those. Just processed food. Full stop. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so that was the 90s. And then we come into the 2000s where there was a little bit of health craze starting slowly, little Ooh. by little. Right? In the 90s, it was natural. And then in the 2000s is when organic started. But it didn't really mean much at, at first um, because it was all of the farmers on the farms like talking about real organic and then how it came into the mainstream was like, oh, yeah, let me market some products organic. And now, of course, all the way through the 2000 teens, we're starting to get on our feet and understand a little bit more. But still, the millennials were raised through the 80s food science and the 90s processed packaged food. And so that is so much of, of who we as a generation are. So it's going to really need that generation to be <laughs> swept aside, be, be a, a lot older to bring in the new youthful vibe of open-mindedness, of exploring through YouTube, through different influencers in the health field, people doing lifestyle design where they don't have to sell a product, you know? They can sell a lifestyle and still make money. Um, It's going to need them to come in for fasting to be much more of a norm. However, we can look definitely in the past two, three, four 
years where intermittent fasting has become a thing, thankfully, from paleo to keto. Um, They have brought in this idea of refraining a little bit, right? As for the juice cleanses, I mean, the fad of a juice cleanse, I would say has not hit as far and wide as intermittent fasting. And the reason for that's obvious because it's much more daunting to go for seven days or three days even without food rather than 14, 16 hours. Um, And so little by little, that's good. Baby steps with the general populace and the public. Uh, And more than anything, it's awareness. It's, It's like, okay, reflection on what are my food habits and how much do I eat and why do I eat that much and what would happen if I had water for breakfast and things like that. So that I'm really encouraging people to ask those questions at large, like pan human. And um, through the next 20 years is how long at least it'll take. Uh, Fasting will get more and more and more normalized. But I mean, this didn't start with you and me, right? My teachers were 100 years ago. So this has come a really long way. And you know, fasting is as old as man. So it's It's this, it needs to come back around and we're going to have to need it. Um, And it'll probably be in the end, like a big tug of war between super effective quote unquote therapies like fasting and pharmaceutical industry that when, you know, every other person or more has a lifestyle and diet related disease, heart disease, autoimmune diseases, obesity, right? And cancer, we're, we're, that will be everywhere. The epidemiology of it is just an absolute exponential curve. And we are sitting at the, the last little pit of the curve before it starts to skyrocket and rise. And this is what I did my master's thesis on, was the study of the nutrition transition and diet and lifestyle's relationship to disease. And of course, when we look at the, the we'll peel back the layer and see that it's all actually also psychosomatic, and we see how disconnected humans are like we've never been before. And we have all of this unprocessed, really toxic emotion and um, different ways of looking at the world where we are in one way or another disadvantaged from our vantage point and the the worldview that we've chosen from a very young age, from childhood trauma that we all had, right? Then that's what develops into disease. And so no matter where it's coming from, whether it's the diet and the lifestyle or if the diet and the lifestyle is what gave you... um, or, or the mindset gave you a certain diet and lifestyle that was chosen to, to kind of cope with that mindset every day, whatever it is, fasting will be the antidote. Yeah. And so it's needed. Like, like it's needed. That's known. Fasting is needed. It's just a matter of if the general public will, will warm up to it. If it's actually like, there's a difference between it being so direly needed and it being this effective cure that's there and someone to be able to have a mouth big enough for the cure to fit, you know, right, um, right. to have a mind big enough for the cure to fit. So, yeah. And I mean, what I find interesting about that, what you said is that, you know, maybe the fear isn't just about not eating food, right? And maybe there's a whole heap of, um, I guess, fear around the fact that it is going to bring up some trauma and it is going to bring up some deep-seated stuff that people aren't willing or ready to deal with or even know is there, right? Do you think that's part of it? And and subconsciously, do we kind of know that? And that's why people are shying away from therapies, quote unquote, that like fasting for yeah, that reason. Totally. I love it. I love it. Yes, sure. Why not? I mean, again, 
we have no answer for this, no answer that we say. We, like, we're just here philosophizing, which is worthy in our own right, because hopefully it, it requires the listeners to self-reflect and, and all of us for us to ask ourselves, what are the obstacles in my way? Like, um, I literally just got off the phone with a friend who I invite her every month <laughs> to join my online fasting retreat. I'm just going to invite you again, just, just so you know the invitation's there, right? <laughs> and um, she, <laughs> she said this month, that she just doesn't feel settled or or grounded enough and that she needs the food to be able to ground. And um, next month, she said, right? I've heard this before. But like, it's real. That, that, that is the story that she's telling herself, that I need food to ground and food grounds me. And so my invitation yeah. to people is, well, can we find something else that grounds you? That you, maybe it's a practice. Maybe it's something that you do with yourself that doesn't require external input. And that's the biggest thing for me. It's radical self-reliance. It's not needing anything outside of you at all in any way, shape, or form. And, and mm. fasting is the ultimate of that. And so um, I think that probably somewhere in the deep, deep, deep subconscious, yeah, she knows that fasting is going to be a fucking roller coaster heavy ride. And to go into that is scary. It's scary to strap into a roller coaster, right? The other part of it is is she knows her coping mechanisms for now work and she's going to just keep reaching for those because she's not feeling safe or comfortable. And so it's this whole complex um, really paradigm where we have to, number one, make sure people are comfortable. Number two, make sure they're confident so they have someone holding their hand who they can walk with. Number three, uh, there has to be a situation around them that supports them. So if, if modern society is not encouraging fasting, which it doesn't because my clients go to work, right? And people say, oh, you're not eating? Oh my God, aren't you going to die? Right? They're just the, oh, yeah. the, the baseline ignorance. Uh, and then beyond that is um, the person's lack of confidence in themselves, which yeah. that's, that is um, – it's a double-edged sword for me because it breaks my heart more than anything for someone on day six of a fast to say to me, I never thought I could do it, right? I really thought that I would cheat or I thought that I wouldn't finish, you know, but now here I am on day six and I feel better than I ever have in my entire life, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's like that double edge of of their the, the massive scope of their self-doubt is shown right and that's countered with an absolute (laughs) like medicine for that self-doubt which is self-connection and so yeah yeah, like there's there's a lot in it there's a lot in it and there's a lot in it and you know something you I recently heard you say and because you're like we can talk about this but your journey yourself over the decades that you've been in this um realm has evolved right like like massively but you said something recently where you said nowadays you don't actually work with anybody who hasn't had experience in fasting or is open to fasting why is that um well I don't know I don't know which quote you're pulling I I I (laughs) I have a lot of elitist sound bites like that where I don't have time to deal with the, the like mass commercial scale health movement. Um, but <laughs> what I think you're referring to is I won't talk to anyone about health who hasn't had experience with fasting. And that's something I've been saying for a few years now because 
the thing is what, what fasting gives us is that clean slate, right? Psychologically as well as physiologically. And from that clean slate and only from that clean slate can we start to build and decipher any little bit of how we feel or how, what foods work for us or don't or whatever, right? Otherwise, we're just kind of throwing things into a hodgepodge where we don't truly have any real clarity to be able to see because the human body is always surviving with differing levels of inflammation. And so we have to really get out all of the inflammation and be able to come from a place of clarity to decipher what's helpful to us on a chemical level or not. And so, um, yeah, and also, obviously, fasting is like next level healing stuff for anyone, whether it's a Reiki healer who goes into a fast and is like, holy shit, everything is white light. It's so much stronger than I've ever known. Or whether it's a physicist who goes on to a fast and there they are two weeks in and they're having all of the problems like solved through them in no time or whether it's I don't know uh like like anyone anyone doing anything their siddhis or their powers will be heightened through fasting when their cosmic life force energy for want of non-esoteric language is uninhibited completely flowing, gushing through them, and they're just fueled by prana, right? It's, it's that that has our answer. And once we have that where we can break the reliance on anything outside of ourselves, and the whole supplement movement is questionable at large because, okay, sure, you think you can tinker with this and that, and you think you can isolate vitamin X, Q, B, Y, whatever, and this kind of whatever you're isolating and you think that the human body will still interpret and understand it, right? And be able to absorb it like out of context. Now, there's so many assumptions made in the supplement industry, but the biggest one is the assumption that we need something outside of us. And so what fasting does is it takes that stick and that reliance and it just <laughs> breaks it over the side of your leg and says, no, look, you don't need anything. You really don't need anything. Be with yourself first. Be with yourself first, and then everything else will come. And so... Mm, I love that. Yeah. I love that. And I love, like, you know, when we talk about health, healing, that journey, like, yeah, most of the time it's because we're in our own way, and we would get out of the way, and fasting is a huge player in that, then, wow, the yeah. healing that can take place. Yeah. But secondly, the other thing that unravels in that is the self-love thing, right? And like self-love, self-care is becoming such a mainstream, I guess, or top. And I don't know if that's just in my world, maybe. Sometimes I get, I'm like, hang on, wait, are people actually talking about this or is this in my world? Um, but really, fasting has, is like an incredible, uh, I guess, vehicle. I want to say vehicle again to this self-love journey, right? And so what is your experience on that or what have you found with clients? Like, is this something that is like just going to be a byproduct no matter what you're doing or what your intention is. Mm, it's so interesting on so many levels. Um, what comes up for me when you ask this immediately is that I have gotten more messages over the past even two weeks. And I don't know if it's because I changed my Facebook profile to like some seductive photo with some fruit that said, <laughs> and in the <laughs> caption, it's about being fiercely beautiful and self-accepting and all of that. Awesome. I don't know if it's because of that, but um, 
I've gotten more messages in the past two weeks that where people say, I want to love myself as much as you love yourself. So I don't know if it's that or like it is my sole purpose with Leo rising. The journey of Leo is the path of self-love to give others permission to love themselves by me fiercely loving myself. And so did that come as a result of fasting? Like, I don't know. There are all these questions and I'm just a human in the midst of it, like asking them and watching them float around and interacting with life as it's served to me. So the self-love journey is a big part of it. I think that that can be really trite in the modern world, especially people with lots of Virgo in their charts, um, especially people with with Leo and Venus and Mars, where it's more of an active ego-based thing. For me, it's rising, so it's 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 much easier. I'm sorry, I went on an astrology tangent here, but um, uh, it, it's when we look at ourselves. Unless we are in like my journey of 40 days of silence off grid where I was alone, you know, unless we're blessed with that luxury where we can encase ourselves in nothing but bathed in self-love, then we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people. And especially in the age of social media, you know, where it's no longer like you comparing yourself to the prettiest girl at school as it might have been in the 60s when my mom was in school. Now it's you comparing yourself to the digitally altered Instagram celebrity, you know, who's done a bunch of gym work on her booty and XYZ. It's just like, it's an unreal level of comparison that we hold ourselves to. And the way in which people have been morphed to perform at all times uh, has, has distanced them from any kind of settling in the self and self-awareness, which translates as authenticity. And so um, I think it's, it like we're it's a bit of a fork it's a bit of a fork and hopefully the fork will somehow like intertangle again but in one in one instance we are having people who are radically saying you know what like it's it's the it's kind of like an echo of the what was it the fat shaming movement I'm not really in modern society so I don't know what these are but um you know where people are like I'm fat and I'm beautiful it's that kind of self-love that people are trampling on about and it's okay to be accepted and things like that. Um, so self-love is branching off in that way. And at the same time, um, self-loathing is branching off just as strong because people don't have practices and outlets and tools. And they go to yoga class and they realize that they feel so much better at yoga class, but then they leave yoga class and they're immersed again in the he said, she said, I hate her petty reality in which we live like real housewives is what comes to me I've never watched that but (laughs) (laughs) but it's interesting because like even recently like this week I've probably spoken about this exact thing like five times with five different people and that is like I don't do these practices to then go out on my own in isolation and like sit in my self-love I do these practices because I live in this world and like when it's chaotic and when there's stuff going on and I'm like here and, and there's people around, I have the practices to be out of center and ground and still feel that feeling instead of like coming from isolation into a chaotic state or around a bunch of people and then going and then losing everything and like reverting back to, you know, shaming or whatever it is. Like, it's like you do, we do this work so that we can have that ability to, embody it completely in this life like no matter who's around you or what they're saying and yeah it can be triggering and hard and there's things that come up and that's a whole different podcast in comparison with the world but um I think 
also fasting especially, but these practices that you also do when you're fasting allow you then to completely embody it fully in this life, not needing to be in isolation all the time, but actually like being in the real world. It just becomes part of you. Yeah. And it's neurochemical. I mean, the practices only take us so far and I'm kind of speaking from that other side, like now as I'm, you know, spearheading the ex-yogi movement of, um, practices are great when it, when, your level of settle is still like on an external level where it's like, it's mm. not so secure. And so you still need the practices and you hold on to them and that's fantastic. And it's so needed. And then mm. after a certain while, it's like it, your level of settle and self knowing and uh, calmness has settled in so deeply that you could be thrown into any situation. Right. right. And, and you're still okay. And that's when the practices are no longer needed. And so yeah the way to expedite that process is definitely through fasting because it's this, um, again, this massive cellular shift, chemical shift, neurological shift that happens. And, um, I, I hear you say things like, um, when you're doing certain practices that you do while fasting. And I think of like my teachers, the natural hygienists a hundred years ago, you know, water fasters. And it was just like, lay down in bed. You know, they didn't yeah. tell their patients to write or do yoga or do breath work or do anything. It yeah. was like, you're going to drink this much water, you're going to lay in the sun, and you're going to lay in bed. And there was mm. nothing, there was no inner child work or breath work or, <laughs> you know, all these other things yeah. layered on top. It was just be with yourself, rest, and let the body do what it's going to do. And, and it, it was still as effective, if not more. And so... Um, yeah, like, I don't know. I mean, we have to also look into the placebo effect in all of this as well. And um, right. that's when I said, when I sell trust, right, I'm also selling the placebo effect. I'm selling the, I know you are going to soar through this and it always works. So whether it's a placebo for me too, of like, of, of, of a self-fulfilling prophecy of all my clients are going to have an amazing time and have this big transformative journey or whatever it is. But, um, there's so much that goes on and for us to even begin to assume that, that we can see all of it or even 80% of it, I think is beyond, beyond our scope. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's deep work that like the moment it comes through our lips, it's not done justice. <laughs> yeah. I love that. And so what, what would you kind of, from your experience, from people that you've worked with, I guess, like what else can people, can you experience from committing fully to fasting beyond what you typically would hear? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know what you would typically hear all of the you get a flat belly and your skin will clear and your mind will get clearer and whatever. Like I, I'm straight up. I'm just like, you're going to realize what you want to do with the rest of your life. You're going to meet yourself and you're going to find a tremendous amount of self-confidence that you've never found before, right? It is this practice and this experience that will give it to you. And like, I can't say that that's fasting with everyone because I've never actually trying to think of it, if I've ever actually fasted under the guidance of anyone else. Um, but that is how I guide people through fasting is in that very much no bullshit. Let's look at ourselves, 
um, massively self-reflective and kind of pushing buttons and pushing people to the edge kind of way because, I mean, my career in health and fasting was parallel, a, a career in yoga and teaching yoga teacher trainings. And so it's the same level of, of depth of awareness and self-reflection that ping-pongs back and forth. And so um, that's the work that we do while fasting. And, and people are just so much more available to it while they're in that state of abstinence and they're in that state of heightened mindfulness and they're in that state to receptivity of change and recalibration of everything inside of them. So why not recalibrate their worldview and the way that they view themselves? And so um, I forgot what your original question was. <laughs> That's good. That's really good. It was the, beyond like what you typically hear, what's the benefits and that, what those three things that you said is like, yeah, like that's it. That's it for sure. That's people don't hear that. That's not common. That's not a common thing of like, I'm going to fast because of that. We don't hear that, but that's exactly what it is. Yeah. And do you think that comes like straight away or do you think there's layers that need to be shed in order to get to that place? Um, can I choose choice C if you've given me A and B? It's like, Please. it's, it's <laughs> so much, it's so simple and it's so repetitive uh, my writing teacher, who's a shaman in her own right, talks about how we go down this spiral and we go through these rites of joy and grief and shame and love and joy and grief and shame and love or whatever, whatever the four words might be. And we go at the top level, the top spiral, and then we go one spiral down, right? And we're a little deeper into it, layers away. And we're like, oh, I thought I passed this. And we visit it again, but we visit it with a newfound set of really experiences which has indicated a, a oh, yeah. whole new way to look at it and a, a new depth to interact with it from and um so I mean definitely I had on my last month's retreat I had someone who had fasted with me let's see she'd been a yoga teacher training student of mine like four years ago she might have fasted uh one or two years ago and then she came back and uh, was fasting. And it was just really beautiful to, to see her up level at that extent where, um, you know, the, the fast that I do with people are, are they're very vulnerable and very um, confronting and very communal oriented and very welcoming. And so it's like, and people make videos of themselves every day. I don't know how much you know about my fasting portal, but when they make videos of themselves, um, they have to self-reflect and they have to be aware of what and how they're delivering to the world. And it's not the world, it's only our intimate community. And this also serves as a little bit of a ledger, a track record of their experience. So they can look at it four years from now and see their journal diary, their video diary of like how they were oh, yeah. expressing themselves to themselves. And, um, so I see those levels of like on a, a baseline level, this girl specifically where she was when she was in my yoga teacher training in terms of the story that she was trying to tell the world about who she was or how happy she was inside of herself. And then I see it from the first time she joined my fasting retreat and I saw that like self-discovery and the work go on. And then I saw her last, last month come to the retreat where it was such a more mature space of like. She's met herself and she's doing the work and she feels that effervescent joy 
that comes through fasting that I always try to sell and advertise to the world and I see it inside of her. And it's like, okay, and there's always more. And so I know just from the maturation of my own journey, like I see her and me, I see me and her, whatever you might say, that I know that what comes next is, is rather than like putting on a bikini top and dancing in front of the camera, it's like sitting down with the camera and just being silent and being like, this is it and I have no need to say anything because everything's already known. And anything I say is coming from my ego and from a desire for you to think I'm a certain way or for me to have you think that fasting is a certain way or whatever it is. And like when we stop that dialogue of desire of um, how we want things to be or what we want to attract or how we want to seem to the world and we just kind of tap out. And that's probably what silence taught me, which is the other abstinence. You know, that gives tremendous amount of, of efficacy. Um, when we tap out from that, it's like a whole new blossoming comes. So. Oh my gosh. I love that. That is like exactly how I would describe not only like fasting right now, but life right now. It's like, Oh, there's more like, Oh, like, and it's like, you feel feeling everything on a deeper level and it's like up leveling massively and fasting can really help excel that. But also Fasting really helps me sit in the silence of that. Like it helps me be able to just like be, have the absence of, absence of the food, but also sit in the silence and, and process kind of. It's like, oh yeah, I feel that. I feel that on a deeper level now. And then it's like, okay, and I can sit with it and I can transmute it in a way or like whatever, like feel whatever needs to be felt in that moment without running from it or, or trying to do anything. It's just like you sitting in that. And then allows it to either release and dissolve or allows you to like sink into that feeling even deeper, like whatever it is. But I think that they both go hand in hand, sitting in the silence and, and, and stillness and fasting can lead you even deeper into yourself mm-hmm. in a really beautiful way, you know, like not in, not in like, oh, quit, let's like deal with all of our trauma shit. It's like, actually, no, it allows you to sit in the beauty of who you are and just be just in that being kind of state. Yeah. And I mean, the only (laughs) possible outcome from there is outpouring gratitude. Yeah. Because it's this click of like, oh shit, I'm actually exactly where I'm supposed to be. And there's nothing I need to do or nowhere I need to go or no practice I need to do. It's just like, oh, everything in my life up until this moment has prepared me to be right here, right now. I get it. And so it's not only the embodied awareness and and wisdom of like all the things that we think we're supposed to eat, we now don't only keep that in our brain, but it's in our body. It's it's also all of those spiritual teachings that we've been letting come in one ear and go out the other, letting come in one ear and blab out our lips without actually (laughs) living. It, It... it embodies in a way where we're just like, oh, this is what gratitude feels like. Yes, Not yes. what this is what the concept of gratitude and all those new age hippies want me to think about it as I try to force feed it into my cerebellum. It's this is what gratitude feels like. And it becomes vibrational. And so, yeah, like short of getting esoteric and talking about vibrations, um, there is actual vibratory nature to this that thankfully quantum physics will start to unpack 
over the coming years where we realize that people who fast and cleanse, who don't quote unquote ground themselves with food, right? They come up to a vibratory level where they're kind of above it all. It's like all of the mundane realities, all the things that used to bug you and bother you and all of those things that keep you trapped down and keep your thoughts a little bit dark, right? You're, you're above those and not above those in a, in a hierarchical better than way. You're simply lifted from them. You're lighter from them. It's like you've, you've journeyed into the hot air balloon of the soul and allowed yourself to let go of everything that doesn't matter so that you can venture into the bird's eye view and the bigger picture perspective of this lifetime and oh yeah, deeper meaning. And like on that, how does one, you know, stay in that space? <laughs> like sometimes it's like, I don't want st- to stop fasting. Like it's like this is like I'm high right now. And sometimes it's like this weird place of like feeling so disconnected from the reality of life and society because you're like, what the heck am I feeling right now? And so is there a way in which you practice or you do that allows you to, as much as you can say, stay in that state? I mean, that's a really interesting question. Um, I'll tell you what, I haven't found the eating version of fasting. (laughs) Um, There is nothing that's better than fasting. There, like, I mean, I'm not a monk and I'm not meant to be a monk in this lifetime. So I'm not one who's meant to be fasting all the time. Um, but geez, if it was just like, let's choose our poison on every day and let's choose which drug and how, how high we want to get, I would be fasting every day (laughs) for sure. You betcha. Because there's nothing (laughs) better than that feeling of, of like full settle in the self and the clarity in the body and the ligaments and the veins and the joints. There is, there is nothing better than that unencumbered bliss that fasting induces with no effort. And so practices to be able to feel that way. I mean, I, I or maybe just, we're not supposed to, like maybe it is about the polarity of this life right now. And you know, we're not supposed to have that feeling all the time. Yeah. That's everything's duality for sure. For sure. I mean, there's different levels because there's the physical level of like, how do I feel like I'm fasting when I'm not fasting? Okay, well, I'm fruitarian. That's how. Yeah. I would just eat above ground plants in their natural state, be really well hydrated. That's how I yeah. can feel best in my body while eating. Okay, well then on a psychological level, how can I feel in that enlightened state while still eating? Well, that has to do with community, surrounding yourself with people who literally inspire you through every single action they take and word that they speak. Um, it's, it's through surrounding yourself by people who are in one way or another smarter than you, whether that's IQ or EQ, um, that's surrounding yourself with people who give you a true sense of belonging and appreciation. Uh, so community is a huge part of it. And then, um, also I would say allowing yourself to do your own deep self work and self reflection every single day. So like practices in my life are writing Uh, looking at my astrological transits of the day every day and then um, looking at the deeper meaning. And I mean, being an astrologer, this is, it's just a whole nother science that I use to decode the universe uh, and my role in it. But kind of looking from a cosmic perspective or from that that bird's eye view that we hot air ballooned up to before fasting takes us there, well, we can get there other ways. And for me, astrology is one of them. And so 
that's on the psychological level. And then uh, if we go from physiological, psychological to um, what's another level, maybe a level of like um, healing, of like cellular cleansing, that's going to involve um, lots of water, right? Making sure that I'm super well hydrated. It's going to involve lots of green chlorophyll and it's going to involve lots of sunshine and fresh air. Right. And then movement. And so it's like, yes, I can dose myself um, with things that will result in a somewhat similar version as I would get with fasting. But with fasting, I don't have to do anything. And in my eating life, I have to dose myself with all these (laughs) practices. I definitely lost your audio. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it was like re- going super slow, like, um, so go back to you saying, um, yes, you would. <laughs> I don't know where you got cut off. Yes, I would. Yes, I would choose. Yes, you would. I would choose uh, continuing fasting. Uh, but if I had to choose an eating life where I got the same result, uh, then I have to do all these other practices to get that same result versus with fasting, it just happens. You just, you just get out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I've loved this talk so much. And like, as always, actually that was really good because that was just like, let's just go deep. And like, I really love your honesty and you know, you just speaking from experience in this, in this realm. And it's amazing. So where can people go? Because you just share some epic stuff like all the time and you're just real about it. And that's what I love. Like you're authentic and real and you're vulnerable as well, which is really beautiful. So, so many people will resonate with what you're saying. So where can they go to find out and to like stay up to date and just to like be part of your community. Yeah. Um, so stay up to date. I'm not sure how much up to date there is because I'm um, in the way of kind of evergreening this whole health career so that I can start to work in future t- futurist technologies more uh, and go cool. at the interface of, of health and tech. But if you go to facebook.com forward slash Andrea page ND, which is the Live for Vitality Facebook page, ND for naturopathic doctor. Um, there is an arsenal of videos from five, six years, um, like literally probably hundreds of hours, um, just stocked up there ready yeah. for, for you to watch and dive into them as much as you'd like. Um, and then I have a podcast series, Four Seasons and Running, um and so that's live for vitality or the vitality podcast on itunes or spotify or wherever you get your podcasts if you search andrea page vitality um there's instagram at live for vitality um and yeah then i'm always i'm always available to people especially contacting personally on the facebook page um website i have a few of them um just launching today or so uh, andyx.ai, cool. which I'm excited about, but, uh, liveforvitality.com and, um, yeah, all over the place, but I, I still, I do health consultations with people if they are ready to go to speed five. If someone's just looking to make little <laughs> changes here and there and they don't really want to work so hard, I'm not really interested in working with them. Um, but if someone really wants to go full force, I'll work with them. 
And then um, I still take on celebrity clients. Um, and then I still give astrology readings. We'll see when that stops. But as for now, I do still give astrology readings. And my, my biggest thing is democratizing astrology, making it available to people so that, that everyone can have that level of self-reflective awareness. And so I send out 10-minute recordings um, of a super effective, efficient reading. And um, yeah, I do it at a really inexpensive price so that someone can just take that first little toe in the water of self-reflection. So those are the services Amazing. I offer. And like, we, I'll link that up in the show notes and stuff as well. Yeah, so people and have access to the, that. F- the fasting retreat. I forgot, of course, I still do online yes. fasting retreats every single month. Yes. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for um, your heart and what you're doing always and constantly like living in your truth of upgrading and leveling up constantly. Like every time we speak, it's just like a whole new level, right? I love it. So thank you so much for joining me and being my first episode because what an episode it was. <laughs> mm, my pleasure. It's a huge honor and I'm really proud of you for, yeah, Sam Asser. Get it. Urgh. Get it. <laughs> Get it. Get it. Get it. Get it. Do your thing. <laughs> In massive support always. Thanks, lady. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Vitality Podcast. Please click over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review to spread this work with the world. You have a part in transforming humanity's health. Keep enjoying this free resource and make sure to give back by sharing, subscribing, and checking out all of Andrea's work at liveforvitality.com, where you can find links to Instagram and other social media. Andrea also gives astrology readings, holds online fasting retreats, and teaches detox courses and advanced yoga teacher trainings. So come to liveforvitality.com and let Andrea transform your life now.